Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Hard to believe that we're here, listeners, the last major release of the year. Yes, we have a special presentation Christmas special for Guardians of the Galaxy coming out in December, which honestly, I'm super excited about. But in the meantime, this is our last movie premiere of the year, and it's going to be an emotional one. I don't think I'm going to cry in this episode, no promises, but... I'm probably going to cry in the reactions, and if all of that context didn't give you any clues what we're going to talk about tonight, we are breaking down our Black Panther Wakanda Forever predictions. All that being said, Katie, why don't you take it away for us? Top-level predictions, let's go. Top-level predictions already? Jesus. Okay. It's going to be, obviously, a mantle turnover. We know that. We know this is the direction Marvel's going to go. For those of you who maybe haven't paid too much attention to the trailers or just haven't watched them, we have obviously gotten confirmation in the trailers that they will be killing off T'Challa in our universe, in our current MCU. So clearly, who's going to be Black Panther moves right on to me down the line to Shuri. Looks that way from the trailers. I don't really think that's a prediction. I feel like that's just like solid proof and fact. Can I just <laughs> say something really quick? And I don't want to put it out as a prediction because I don't want this counted against me later, but I will say that first teaser trailer, the first time they show Black Panther, that looks like a male physique. I 100% agree. Okay, so there's a part of me that's wondering if maybe there are two. If maybe they skirt around the idea of completely replacing T'Challa as Black Panther by showing two Black Panthers within this movie. So... First, I want to go off of facts. Let's do that. Obviously, the mantle of the Black Panther goes to whoever is currently sitting on the throne of Wakanda. That is the rule. That is the rule of Wakanda. The monarch is Black Panther. However, in this trailer, we get confirmation, at least during part of the movie, that T'Challa's mother is queen of Wakanda. So my question being is, for lack of better words, does she almost hire someone out? Because she's not, I mean, she's a mother to, well, T'Challa was at least in his 30s. So this woman's at least solidly in her 50s, if not 60s. She's not going to go out there and be like the Black Panther. So I almost wonder, and I say hire out, I don't mean it like as a hitman, but you kind of get the vibe of what I'm trying to go with. Does she almost appoint the mantle of the Black Panther to someone as like an interim until Shuri is ready to take the throne and take the mantle of being the Black Panther. I think that makes a lot of sense. My only question, though, is why depict that period in the movie? Like, it so easily could have been glossed over or said, oh, you know, we had someone take over until we felt Shuri was ready. Why not just go immediately to her as Black Panther? Like, why even have that period if that's what happens? I think they want to cover T'Challa's death. 
I mean, if you think about it in the trailers, we're seeing the funeral procession. So I think they are showing that because we're really, if my understanding of what we're seeing in Wakanda forever is that we're seeing the events that directly transpire past his death. And we'll probably know obviously what happened, but that's my understanding is it's not like a time gap. We're not seeing time between like, we're seeing whatever they're going to do to write off T'Challa and then all those events after. My other thing is if it's pivotal to the story, if there's a reason that this all transpires the way it does, because think about it, maybe the person she appoints as the Black Panther, you know, not necessarily Killmonger level, but goes Killmonger nu- nuclear. There's a reason like uh, this entire like war thing almost starts between or seems to start between what it is it's Atlantis, correct? Yeah. Just not like Atlantis Atlantis, like their version of Atlantis. But there's a reason like this all starts. You know, so like I'm almost wondering if there's a dilemma there or something starts because of whoever is the acting Black Panther and that that makes it a key to the story. All right, I have a few things to say to that. One it takes place a year after T'Challa's death. That has come out. I'm pretty sure that's confirmed that that's what that timing looks like. So I think those scenes in the funeral are actually a flashback scene. So I don't really think we're seeing the direct aftermath of his death. Okay. So just wanted to put that out there that I'm pretty sure that that has been confirmed in terms of timing. You're raising your hand and then I have another point to come back to. Yes. Totally valid. I I just, I want to make sure I answer this then. So, because I did not see that. So, having the confirmation then, this is my other thought process to that, is from my understanding of the research I've done as Black Panther in the comics, originally, just to give a little background, originally, when his father dies, he is too young to take on the mantle of the Black Panther. So, this is in the comics, not the MCU. Obviously, we saw how that plays out in the MCU. He is too young to take on the mantle, so I believe it's his uncle that steps in in the meantime, in the interim, until he's old enough. So my wondering is, too, is Shuri not old enough initially? And that is why. I just thought that as you you were explaining that. And so in that time, if we're seeing the flashback, maybe that flashback includes that male Black Panther, and that's who, you know, steps into that role up until Shuri is of age to take on the throne and then the mantle. Yeah, I like that. And I think that makes more sense than the idea that he's part of the conflict because I think then you run the risk of it being too busy. I think, and you know, running the risk of putting too much weight in the trailers, which we all know is a fool's errand, but I think they've made it pretty clear that the real conflict here is between Atlantis and Wakanda and the Black Panther and Namor. So I just think if if you're going to take that at face value, it gets a little complicated when you're adding in that other Black Panther as another antagonist. So I just, I don't know that I jive with that one. I'm more leaning towards your idea of like, all right, she wasn't ready to take on the mantle yet. That's where we had kind of that interim Black Panther until she was ready to take on the mantle. I mean, we all know it's her, like the way that she's transformed the suit to bring in her soul. I don't, I don't want to say they're solar, but they're her like echo propulsor things that she has used in past films. Like yeah. that's a straight up confirmation. The only other person, if you know, if you'd taken that away, I could see people saying Nakia because she was his partner. And depending on, you know, how long this takes place after Endgame, perhaps they got married, like perhaps she was by marriage the queen you know the same way that Ramonda is right so 
I could see that argument basically until you get that shot of the propulsors and then you're like, that's 100% Shuri because that's her weapon of choice and she's integrated it then into her identity as Black Panther. Well, and honestly, just to take, you could even like take out all those details and just look at the body language and look at the size of the body. It's the shape of Letitia. Yeah. Like she's very small and tiny and, and you can see that in that Black Panther suit. I mean, Nakia is a little bit more built out. And so I definitely, like, you can't, if in my opinion, I don't even think you could argue it when you look at the actual body and the just leanness of Letitia, because she's so small. So, I mean, that to me, immediately when she falls from the ceiling and, like, stands, I was like, okay, Sherry's in there. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) immediately. Yeah, totally. All right. So now we've got the passing of the mantle taken care of. Let's talk about the overarching conflict, which I think... A lot of people are really excited about because of the introduction of Namor. And we've talked about this a little bit, um, or at least we've mentioned him so far in this episode. It's full-on war between Atlantis and Wakanda in this movie. Now, just giving a little bit of context here, I looked into Namor and Atlantis and their history with Wakanda. He and T'Challa have a really complicated history where sometimes... They're allies, and they're on the Illuminati, and sometimes they're not, and they're trying to kill each other, and one's selling the other one out to Thanos for Infinity Stones. Sounds like and Steve and Tony. Truly, truly. So it's kind of sad in that sense, you know, if we don't bring in another T'Challa like we talked about last episode, that we're never going to get that kind of back and forth that happens between the two of them and that constant evolution But yeah, so they're always back and forth. Wakanda and Atlantis are at various points at war. So this is very, like, very much a comic accurate conflict within this movie. What actually precipitates it, I couldn't tell you. The one conflict that I was reading about that I kind of alluded to a minute ago was there was a something happened and Black Panther and Well, Black Panther, T'Challa, and Namor, they were talking about maybe an alliance, but Shuri, who was queen at the time, was like, absolutely not. Sneak attacked Atlantis. So then, as a retaliation, Namor told Thanos and the Black Order that there were Infinity Stones in Wakanda so that they would come and completely destroy Wakanda. So that's like a whole nother thing. And then it was like all-out war between the two of them. Clearly, for a myriad of reasons, we're not going to get that storyline. Namely, the Infinity Gauntlet has already, or the Infinity Saga has already happened. Also, we don't have T'Challa. So I'm really curious to know what that conflict is. You know, I think in the trailers, they've alluded to the idea that, well, Atlantis sees an opportunity now because they don't have a Black Panther, they don't have a protector, but then that goes against, you know, did they have an interim Black Panther? What about Shuri? Like, what is going on here? So are they unprotected? It's it's really very complicated, and I'm very curious kind of what brings on that complicate or that conflict between the two, because I think it's going to be really interesting. I definitely agree. I know I'm going to sit here and tell you guys all very blatantly. While watching the trailers, I didn't understand why Namor was coming after Wakanda. Same. And that is, I think that goes down to the root of what Taylor is saying here is that at the end of the day, comic book history shows one thing. We very obviously don't have a T'Challa. So that, you know, big line of conflict is almost non-existent for this. I know there is a part in the trailers, and I'm not sure if you kind of were alluding to this part, 
where um, Mbaku is taught or he's talking about Namor and explaining a little bit about him. So I almost wonder if that is where some of it stems from, because my big question is, why does Mbaku know so much about him? And to be fair, as much as I do love Mbaku, he was kind of doing some shady stuff for a little while when he like didn't really want to consider himself fully a part of Wakanda. So I'm kind of wondering if that is also something that could have led to a conflict later on. I mean, to be fair, he kind of switched sides and decided he wanted to be pro-Wakanda and like be there and helpful and everything else. But for a while, he really wasn't. So I'm almost wondering, you know, there's a connection there. He clearly knows a lot about him. And that pinged immediately through in my head. It was like, he clearly knows enough, and I wonder why. Interesting. I didn't really think about that, but I like that. One other thing that I was just thinking about was how we see in the trailer Namor's people, the Atlanteans, attacking a modern ship. My gut says that's not a Wakandan ship. It looks military. Yeah. There's definitely military personnel in this. Yeah, and not not Wakandan military. They're very, you know, they have a very distinct look to them. I mean, look at the Dora Milaje, right? Like, yeah. not, like, Western, American, you know, for lack of a better descriptor. Or even just, like, European. Western nations, for sure. Yeah. And so I guess what I'm wondering is, is this a situation, and the reason I said American, too, is, is this a situation where they attack an American ship and our good friend... What's his name? Oh my gosh. Don't ask me. I don't remember. As soon as I, I kind of saw where this was going and I was like, don't remember the guy's name. Not gonna lie. Oh my gosh. I wanted to say Ross. It's obviously not Ross. Oh my goodness. Anyway, the one that Shuri calls Colonizer in the first movie, they save him and she goes, don't sneak up on me, Colonizer. That guy who we will put his name in the blog. But anyway, I wonder if he calls them in. He's very clearly reprising his role. He's coming back. Wondering if he calls in Wakanda for a little bit of assistance. This causes a rift between the two. And now we're looking at, all right, this age-old, you know, I wonder if it brings up an age-old rivalry between the two. Like, perhaps Atlantis, it looks like it's off the shores of Wakanda, so perhaps Atlantis has just kind of been peacefully coexisting, but there's some old ancient rivalries, and now we have a misunderstanding where some Wakandans step in to help a good, you know, friend of theirs, and all of a sudden it it reignites this rivalry, and they recognize, oh, hey, their king is dead. This is the perfect time to go break, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here, say they have a treaty. We're going to break this treaty. Their king is dead. They attacked our people. This is the time. We're just going to go for it, full out. I mean, I don't know. You never know because they haven't told us anything. I mean, Katie and I were talking before we started recording and there's four or five scenes in these trailers cut together differently with different voiceovers over them. But for the most part, you don't really see a lot. I think it follows a lot of the patterns we've been seeing in in Marvel marketing. So we don't have a lot to go off of. No, we really don't. And I mean, that's a good thing. And I know this is a problem we've run into quite a few times, especially in phase four, where it's kind of like, okay, we've been seeing the same few scenes. But the thing is, is like, and maybe this is my perspective, but it's been a long time, in my opinion, since we've really been in Wakanda properly. I And I say that because I'm completely excluding Infinity War from this conversation right now. And Wakanda obviously looks so different. So I think like the irony of these trailers is... There's almost so much to go off of at the same time because 
you know, we could deep dive into every single one of these characters because the question comes down to, okay, so there was obviously the snap. There was the blip. There was, you know, obviously we didn't see anything in anyone who lived through those five years at all. We don't know what happened during that time. Obviously, I almost called him Chadwick, but T'Challa for the sake of, the, you know, the Wakanda world came back after Endgame, you know, came back to rule theoretically. But what was Wakanda really looking like? Like, there is no confirmation. And in reality, to Taylor's point earlier, we don't know how long after Endgame this is. So we have at least five years of MCU time, at least, because that's just the the snap and blip time that we don't know what happened in Wakanda. Now they have a, a king that isn't there anymore, who's passed. Like, clearly things are hitting the fan here. And so these trailers are, like, weirdly giving us a lot and a little at the same time. And that's why I'm, like, almost overwhelmed. Because I feel like we're seeing a lot, especially a lot of action scenes, which excite me. Because I love the action scenes in Black Panther. I think they're amazing. They're beautiful to watch. Oh, the waterfall scene. Both of them? I, well, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm even thinking of, like, the car chase. <sighs> I literally was, like, it was, like, a stunning piece to watch. Like, and we've seen car chases, but that was, like, a stunning piece to truly watch. I could watch that over and over again for the rest of my life and just be in pure bliss. Well, exactly, exactly. So, I guess I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, I'm excited for all this that's coming, but I need to, and this all sorts itself back to what is the conflict? How does this come about? And I think we've thrown out some solid theories of, you know, maybe M'Baku knew this guy way back when, you know, maybe he who, we don't remember the name, colonizer, <laughs> you know, that to your point, something happens. Because clearly, they're also, listen, it's the MCU. I'm, I don't say I'm going to trust the government. But clearly, they're up to something. So I also wonder if they attacked first. And then as if it's the US government, I'm going to just say this, play the victim that they did something, you know, that they were doing something initially they weren't supposed to, but now they turn that, and Atlantis actually attacked them after the fact, after they attacked them first. Well, and you also have that scene where it looks like a Western government is attacking a Wakandan ship, because the Dora Milaje go in with their weapons, and you see them slicing up guns like knives through butter, like warm knives through butter, so... There's definitely, like, a third angle to this. Like, it's not just Atlantis versus Wakanda. Like, there is a Western military force that's also in the mix. And now whether that's our friendly guy and the government that he represents, another government, all of the above, like, a lot of questions here. Well, and I'm just going to throw this out here for consideration. The man who plays Namor has said he's not the villain. He said he he could be more considered an anti-hero in this film. And so I think this film almost wants us to look at it black and white going into it, that it's Atlantis versus Wakanda. But I, to your point, there is an additional factor. And I think what we think is going on in this film and who we think's the bad guy versus the good guy is going to grossly change as the film actually comes out. We watch it and it's going on. But of course, we have, you know, from where we started from this conversation, we kind of went down one singular rabbit hole. But before we wrap up where this has gone, I do want to check ourselves and go all the way back. Because there's one thing that we need to talk about with Namor and that it's he's a mutant. Yep. Yeah. And that needs to be talked about because he clearly is like the ruler of Atlantis. 
Um, his father was literally like a fisherman. And that is why he's not blue like the people of Atlantis. That's why he looks very human-like, but he still has, like, his ears have, like, scales and stuff. Um, that's why he's able to breathe under the water and everything else. But he is a mutant, which is, once again, another confirmation that we have mutants in the MCU. Yeah, and it has been said that he will actually refer to himself as a mutant in the film which will not only be the second known mutant in the MCU. I'm counting Kamala because even though she's inhuman in the comics, they made it very clear what she is. Yes, if you're a long-time listener, I've come to terms with it, and I've just accepted what I didn't want to accept, but here I am saying it out loud. The second time that we've had a mutant on screen who has either been identified by someone else as a mutant or now will self-identify as a mutant, I think you're starting to see things come together you know, we're walking down this path. You know, we got the the confirmation, of course, recently that Hugh Jackman is coming back. They explicitly thanked Kevin Feige, meaning it's gonna forcibly be in the MCU. So we are not where we were walking on this mutant path. Now we're picking it up and we're like New Yorker walking. We're like getting somewhere now, you know, it's gonna pick up into a jog in the next few months. And I'm not gonna get into any end credit predictions or anything like that. You know, we'll save that. But I think it's just something to keep in the back of your mind. Like, he opens a lot more doors. He is widely considered the first mutant. You know, in I was reading the House of M comics, and in that, House of M turns everything on on its head, right? The idea that the mutants are bad guys. No, they're, they're lauded. They're, you know, praised. And he's considered held up on such a pedestal because he is a mutant so that's a really big big deal for him to have that identity yeah and it it makes me curious because i kind of wonder what parent that gene necessarily came from his mother i think well because she's atlantean well yeah but that doesn't mean that they're all mutants per se that they're just a different no but i think what makes him a mutant is that he's both like he's a half human half atlantean but that but don't quote me on that because i'm not a geneticist and i don't know how that works in the mcu oh well yeah i was just gonna say like does that also give him like because obviously our idea of mutants i think for those especially who maybe only pay more attention to the films not even just mcu like all of the marvel films that have come out our impression of course of mutants are what we see in the x-men yeah and so they all obviously have their own powers their own things that can make them a mutant so i'm i'm kind of like what does he have does he have something special like is he extra strong or like well let's get into that because i want to talk about a few things one he has his ankle wings which are iconic to the comics and just to his character so you see him use those in the trailer a few times so he's actually able to fly okay wait so those are like built into his ankles yeah no those are like parts of his physical being oh i just thought we were like percy jackson jackson hermes this with like converse with wings okay okay i did not catch that i thought that it was like a shoe (laughs) okay no that is his body and that's again true to the comics that is comic accurate so i know people were excited to see that the other thing that i want to point out he takes a full-on hit from mbaku like my man jumps and comes at him with his large budgeting bludgeoning stick, and it literally breaks when it hits Namor. Like, that is a lot of power. I mean, M'Baku's ginormous, super powerful, and was really leaning into that one, so he's definitely strong. Yeah, I was actually gonna just, um, this is maybe a question, maybe a statement, I'm not really sure where it's gonna go quite yet, 
but I he's half Atlantean and then obviously half human. I'm almost wondering, like, is his skin invincible? Because two, and I whatever, we only see a certain amount of clips in the trailer, but like we never see him bleed. Yeah. So when you're saying about that scene, I'm almost wondering, like, because that's not necessarily strength all the way either. That could just be because, like, did he bleed when he got hit? I mean, it's a quick scene, but to my knowledge and my eyeballs, no. So, I don't know. Like I said, it could be a question. It could be a statement. It could be a theory. I don't really know exactly what that is that I just said, but I feel like that could be... I don't really know what he might be in the MCU, and I mean, we can only go so much off of comics because they change so much, but I mean, it could totally just be strength, but I'm almost just wondering, too, if it, like, has a... Like, if he's a mutant, I kind of feel like he is some other just, like... Because, to be fair, and this is... Call me out for this if you like, but, like, we, we've seen the super strength. I mean, we've seen it, like, 17 times. So I feel like introducing someone who's actually a mutant would be cooler than just having, like, him have super strength. Yeah. And I, I don't mean... Yeah, I think when I said strength, to be honest, I meant more invincibility than I think I did strength. I mean, because I think in the voiceover, they they're saying he... There, I'm pretty sure there is a voiceover where they're saying he's super strong, but in that scene, I think you're right. I think the the word and the adjective I probably should have used was invincible or strong in the sense of like durable, not necessarily physical strength, but like able to take a freaking hit because that would have leveled anyone. Yeah, almost like Superman when you pretty much like they like sit there and like will try to hit him and it's like that doesn't even phase him because he's so aggressively like. To your point, it's not necessarily strength, it's just, like... Durability. Yeah, because, like, human weapons are puny to him. And I'm sorry to bring in the DC thing, but, like, my brain is thinking that because Henry Cavill's obviously been confirmed to come back, which is a total L for us who thought he was coming in to be Captain Britain in the MCU. Hey, I would just like to say, though, just because he's in one doesn't mean he can't be in the other, because... The guy from Aquaman just got cast as Wonder Man, and he's still reprising his role in Aquaman 2, so it can happen. I mean, James Gunn just got hired as the head of DC, and he still has a Marvel movie on the slate next year. There's a lot more cross-pollination happening than there used to be. It's not just one or the other anymore. No, that's fair. That's fair. I just feel like, especially if you're bringing... And I'm glad they're bringing Henry Cavill back. I mean, you couldn't get more Superman than that man. I mean, literally. I, I mean, R.I.P. to the Witcher fans, though. I know y'all aren't happy about the news that I'm working <laughs> on that end, but I was just going to start watching that, too, but not if you're bringing, no offense, but not if you're bringing Liam Hemsworth into this. They got the inferior Hemsworth to do it. Like, what's the point? No offense. He was good in the Hunger Games, but, like, Chris. I will never, and I know this is a small tangent, but I will never forgive Gail so, like, because he was Gale, I just, like, I look at him and I'm like, I absolutely can't stand you. Go away. Yeah. Because, like, I can't separate him from Gale's actions in the Hunger Games. So I just am like, you stink. Go away. That's fair. So he's my, he's he's third on the list of Hemsworth, in my opinion. Wow. Wow. To put Luke at number two. That's bold. Um, Yeah. He's awesome. All right. All right. Getting back on track. Sorry. Back to Black Panther. <laughs> so we've talked about Namor. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about one of the other characters who's being introduced in this movie that I know a lot of people are really, really excited about because she's getting her own show. That's starting to film. There's things coming out of there. Possibly Mephisto. But we're not going to get into that. And I'm speaking of none other than Riri Williams, also known as Ironheart, coming in and making her MCU debut in this movie. 
Katie, what do you think about it? Why is she here? What is she going to do? So I'm really happy about this. And I'm glad she's coming in here. I'm going to first say I'm glad she's coming in here because I feel like some of the cold open intro shows don't always play as easy. And so I think, you know, having this introduction already to her in this film with some of the characters we're already seeing is going to make her show even better. Agreed. I think it's going to allow us to really appreciate the character a little bit more and not have to learn to like her or like learn to understand her or anything of that nature as we watch it because we will have already gotten exposure to her, which is what we used to get a lot more with the MCU when it was just the films. I mean, look at T'Challa. Exactly. Well, but even look at the twins. Yeah. I mean, the twins were in the end of The Winter Soldier introduced to us. They didn't cold open. And even then, like, by Age of Ultron... You know, that was still their introduction enough that by the time Wanda came into everything else, it wasn't like, oh, I have to learn this character. I'm like in her origin, you know? I mean, even going as far back as the Black Widow being in Iron Man 2. Exactly. It's had such a long precedence. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not even going to keep going. I could keep going. Yeah. I was going <laughs> to give another example. And I was like, literally, we've made our point. There's no reason to. <laughs> but I'm very excited for this because I think... It's a great way to bring this character in. She is going to essentially be the next Iron Man. She builds the suits herself. I mean, she's that smart. She's got the ability. And so, I mean, there's even a scene in the trailer where her and Shuri are like doing a little handshake in the lab. And I was like, there's your connection. This girl's a genius. That's, I think, one of the things I'm most excited about. Like, yes, it's going to be great to see her as Ironheart. Like the scene where she bangs out the heart-shaped iron to put on her suit and you just like know exactly what that is awesome but i think what i'm really excited to see is to see two baddie ladies who are freaking geniuses go toe-to-toe and not in a rivalry way but just be able to speak each other's languages and just like feed off each other and just the sheer female brilliance that's going to be in the room when those two interact is gonna be like off the charts and i am so excited for their connection and for Shuri to be able to relate to someone in that way, because I think, and this is no shade to any of the other characters in Black Panther, but Shuri is a bona fide genius. Our other bona fide genius, one of the only people in the world who would go toe-to-toe with her, was Tony Stark. He's dead. Bruce is off-planet doing his, like, Planet Hulk thing. Well, he's not necessarily Well, off. you know, but he's like, <laughs> well, depending on when this takes place... Visions now, white vision, like there's a whole lot of weirdness happening with all the people who are of her caliber. And now not only does she find another person that is of her calendar, but it's another woman around her same age. Like there's just like a lot of ways for Shuri to actually be able to really relate to someone in a way that like she really has not been able to thus far in the MCU. And I'm excited for that. I agree. And to see it from Riri Williams perspective, once again, it's this is her origin. We're going to be seeing the origin here. And so I think, you know, we have to question, like, how does she end up in Wakanda? Where does this relationship stem from necessarily? Well, like, I think I think we know how she gets into Wakanda because we've seen the, the scene. But I want to know how does she get on the Wakandans' radar, I think is the bigger question. Well, that, yeah, that's sort of what I mean. Not, not, like, physically how does she end up in Wakanda. Like, how does she just, like figuratively end up there like where does like how does that go about i almost wonder if she goes on their radar when she first built her suit see my thought was bringing in the idea of the rogue governments if they wanted another brilliant mind who's gonna build something maybe without vibranium 
Because, obviously, it's made of iron. Her name is Ironheart. She takes after Iron Man. Like, it's not made of vibranium, right? So, there's this line, and it's a voiceover line, so we know you gotta take that with a grain of salt, because whether that actually ends up in the movie, I'm not sure. But there's this voiceover line where they say, his suit, or he's covered in vibranium. So, whatever they're fighting, whatever antagonist it is, it doesn't look like it's Namor, because the dude's practically naked, is covered in in vibranium. So that tells me the antagonist is actually something else, potentially a Western government, if we're going to follow on that theory from earlier. Maybe they're bringing in a non-vibranium-based genius to figure something out and to fight whatever this unseen antagonist is that they're trying to lead us down the Namor red herring hole. So I have a couple things. One, to go off that line, I almost wonder, and to go full circle now, if there's a relation to the Black Panther, the male Black Panther we see. Because who else is covered in vibranium? A Black Panther suit is vibranium. Right. Completely. So I almost wonder if a suit ended up in the wrong hands. Because correct me if I'm wrong, but does the suit not look gold? Oh my god. You don't think it's the suit, do you? But I'm almost wondering. Because, and to be fair, let's think about this. Killmonger was the anti-hero of Black Panther. Yeah. He wore the gold suit. And so, from my perspective, I associate that gold suit with not necessarily the good side, because we weren't meant to. So I'm almost wondering, like, to bring that back into this discussion, if there's a possibility that suit ended up in the wrong hands. And that's kind of where this comes from, is now there's vibranium and other things such as that suit floating around and getting into the wrong people's hands. Interesting, interesting. Here's a question for you, and I don't expect you to know the answer. Is there a precedent in the comics for more than one Killmonger? Is it always that character? I think his name is, it's either Njobu or Njaka, I think. Something, one of those two. Because one is the father and one is the son, right? Yeah, but Eric. We can just call him Eric. (laughs) Yeah. So, Eric... You know, is there someone else who takes up the Killmonger mantle in the comics besides Eric? No, that I truly don't know, because I really didn't anticipate. Like, if you told me about five months ago of that question, I would have maybe anticipated looking more into the Killmonger stuff. But considering everybody was telling me to stop daydreaming that Michael B. Jordan would come back, I did, unfortunately, just for the time being, decide to stop daydreaming about it. So I don't know. But my other point was going to be, remember that random theory I threw out about possibly that other Black Panther causing the problems with Atlantis? Well, if it's a bad Black Panther that might be, you know, from the government now, that could have been because how, why are they going to care who's in the suit? They're not. They're going to read that as a direct attack from Wakanda. Yeah. Almost like when they hijack the Iron Patriot suit. Yeah, exactly. In, what is that, Iron Man 3? Iron Man 3, yeah. Yeah. I get them, conf- 2 and 3 get confused sometimes. Well, they kind of, like, in a different way, hijack War Machine's suit, because they, like, override it in the second one. But the third one's the one where they actually, they don't put 
Rhodey's not in the suit, and they steal the suit from him, and they put, like, the weird heat dude who's, like, bald in it. Oh, and he tries to kill the president. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of, but I couldn't remember if that was two or three. No, that was three. And I don't know why I, like, so specifically remembered these Iron Man. (laughs) I don't really spend my time watching them, but I don't know why I know that so well. Yeah, because I'm almost wondering, like, is that a possibility? If the suit was falling... And and I'm reading really hardcore into this, possibly, and I'm sure I'll be, like, totally on the other realm when the movie comes out. But I'm just thinking, well, it's a gold suit. And, I mean, Wakanda clearly, if they lost their king and their warrior, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been, like, some crazy stuff going on, even during the blip. I mean, he wasn't there for five years. Yeah. So, like... I would not necessarily be that surprised if there were certain things and they opened their borders. So I wouldn't be surprised if there were certain things falling into line as far as people stealing things, getting their hands on things. And Yeah, well, that was the other thing I wanted to bring up, too. When you were saying we haven't been in Wakanda for a really long time, we literally have not spent any significant amount of Wakanda, time in Wakanda, where they're not at war, since T'Challa made that announcement at the UN. Exactly. We have no idea how that fell out. Exactly. Like, how did that play out? What were the reactions? What were the consequences? And how did it affect life in Wakanda? Like, I'm very curious, and I'm assuming we're going to have to see that, but it's probably going to be, again, overshadowed by the death of T'Challa and, like, all of that fallout. But definitely, like, a thought that's, like, been percolating in the back of my mind that, like, that was a massive, like, international relations decision. Well, and the irony of that, too, is, like, they had to prove themselves. Because, I mean, they even at the, in that end credit scene, one of the, I don't know, UN people, I guess, I don't know what they're called, literally had to sit there and he goes, no offense, but, like, Wakanda's a third world country. What can you actually give? Yeah. For lack of better words. I mean, he probably, he said it a little bit more eloquently than what I just said. Was it, though? Was it, though? Maybe a slightly, like a smidge. Like 0.5%, <laughs> maybe. But he was asking, I think, a very fair question to those who understood Wakanda to be a thermal country all this time. Like, so I think it's interesting because to your point, we don't see how that happens. We don't see much at all because the next time we're in Wakanda is Infinity War. I mean, they really weren't worried about their borders at that time because they were a little bit more worried about the little space grape that was coming for a stone. (laughs) So I guess I just, like, that's what I mean. Like, so much has changed that I like can't I feel like the possibilities are so endless with even what we've been given in the trailers that I almost can't like create a concrete storyline in my head because I'm like the possibilities are endless like we don't have confirmations about almost anything other than the fact that T'Challa is going to be dead and they are moving on from that that is the only thing I can like extremely confidently tell all of you is that that is what I know yeah and that Namor is in the film. That's it. Yeah, pretty much. I can't tell you if he's good or bad. No. Nope. I can tell you he's in the film. Yep. That's it. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you who's in the film. Couldn't tell you what side they're playing. Like, there's a scene where it almost looks like a Koye is fighting the... Why do I always forget how to pronounce their name. The Dora Milaje? Yeah. But there's a scene where it almost looks like she's fighting them. And I think it's her. And she's wearing, like, blue. And there's a group of them all wearing their signature red. But I'm going to bring that up because I also feel like I saw that. And I know what I'm picturing, but I can't, like, <laughs> concretely be like, yep, that's for sure. But that's what I mean. Like, I, you don't know whose side is on whose. I don't understand, like, what's going to happen. Because everybody was coming together under Chachala. You literally just sandwiched their names together so hard. I know. <laughs> I was 
gonna be like to Chadwick. <laughs> if you were wondering if we thought that Chadwick Boseman was the embodiment of T'Challa, I think Caitlin just answered that question for you. <laughs> yeah. Oi. But you know, everybody was coming together under T'Challa and and what he was bringing to Wakanda, and now Wakanda is such a different nation than, than what it was under him. And so I don't know where the allegiance lies with a lot of people. I don't know what we're gonna see in this film. So it actually makes this predictions episode really hard to move forward with because it's like, from a bigger picture, what do we have to look at? I don't know. Yeah, I'm honestly stumped. Between the lack of footage and the fact that the entire franchise was upended in 2020. Well, that's what screws me up. Yeah. There is, there's no foundation. You know, I can tell you, for example, like Namor, he is really important in Secret Wars. So we're going to see him again. But that's not rocket science. You know, they're not going to introduce a character in a film with as much, I mean, in any film, really, and get rid of him. I think they've done much better lately. Well, they, like, literally do that with, like, most of their villains, though. So <laughs> I feel like that's not... Yeah, but he's not a, he's said himself he's not a villain. I think you and I are getting at the idea that he's not a villain, you know? Yeah, but neither was Killmonger. He was an anti-hero. Okay, okay. He he plays in the gray area, I'll give you that. I'm just saying, you know, and I think they've gotten better over time at not introducing characters and just leaving them hang, you know? I think, too, you don't do that with a character that has as much history as Namor does and has the title of mutant the way that Namor does. There's just too much there for them to just leave him. So... He's definitely coming back. He's going to be in something unclear at this point what that is. But other than that, like, you know, we know Riri is going to be in Ironheart. Potentially Mephisto's in that. So that's going to be a big deal. So this is definitely spawning off some other stuff. But like, in terms of what's actually going to happen in this film, I don't know. And where it's going to lead. Because the thing is, is and not to get everybody's brains ready to be like blown but there's already been some talk going forward about Black Panther 3 already. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I don't expect this to be like phases, mainly phases 1 and 2, where, like, Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man just spawned out movies left and right, and they all just, like, all three of them had trilogies, well, with the exception of mainly Thor, had trilogies within, like, four or five years. Yeah. Well, there's so many more franchises to give play to now than there were when you had the big three. Well, exactly. And that's my point. So I think, you know, we have a little bit of a while until that. It's The question is going to be like, where do a lot of these other characters go? And I know, like, typically by this point in the reactions, or not the reactions, the predictions episode, we're talking very much about, you know, what comes after this film. And the thing is, it's like, because I barely know what's going to be happening in this film, I feel like I can't even confidently tell you what's coming next. I mean, to your point, we know where Riri's going. We have some thoughts on Namor. I mean, I'm expecting to see Shuri as the Black Panther. I don't think that's a question in my mind. But, you know, where does that lead us in the big realm of things? I mean, is she going to be kind of taking over some of those Black Panther ties that we were supposed to have initially? Like, are we going to see storylines that are supposed to have Black Panther in it, have Black Panther in it, just not have T'Challa's Black Panther in it? I think that could be a possibility, but I don't know yet. Like, I feel like because I have so such little about this movie, I don't know, you know, is she going to be involved in Secret Wars? I'd assume. But then again, you were kind of listing off people earlier. I mean, for now, Hulk is N.A. We don't know where he's at. Vision is getting his own, you know, show, but by the time that's even made, I mean, that's not even put on the slate yet. That was just, like, literally came out. 
Wanda's in her chaotic bliss, I guess, living life. Yeah, spawning off TV shows left and right. Well, and she's literally, like, they pretty much confirmed she was alive by confirming all the things she's gonna be in. So it's like, well, thanks, but we also all knew she still was alive. It's like all the people I know she interacted with. I mean, Captain America is no longer the Captain America she interacted with. I mean, she does know Mac, not Mackie. She does know, you know, Sam and everything, but like, and she knows Bucky, but like, will we see her somewhere in in those realms? Like, could we see her on a Cap 4? I don't know. Like, I, I don't see that being her future, but I don't know where I see her going. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to your point whether they make her the prime Black Panther or if they do what we talked about last episode and bring in someone from the multiverse to be the new T'Challa and take it that way. I mean, we don't even know that. But even then, I feel like even if that happens, they're not going to... He is still in what I would consider Wakandan terms an outsider. He might be T'Challa from another universe, but that's not their T'Challa. Oh, totally. Totally. I just wonder if that's how the MCU is going to play him as the main Black Panther, you know? Yeah. I think it really is going to be contingent on this film. And so, like, this is something I think... You'll hear us very much answering, hopefully, in our reactions episode, because I really think we're going to have a much better idea past this film where this franchise is going, as this franchise has kind of really 180'd itself. And so that makes it really hard to see its placement beyond its own franchise at this point. Yeah, totally. All right. The final segment, some may call it our most anticipated segment, it's the easiest to keep score. And we're only about 50% right if I had to go back and take a look. But we know there's only one this time. Which makes me sad. I'm really bummed about it. But what is the mid credit scene in your opinion? I'm not going to lie, I didn't give much thought to this. Because I was already, like, overthinking this film as a whole. I, I don't... Okay, I know it's a mid-credit scene. And traditionally, mid-credit scenes usually tie in still with the film to some degree. So I have like a weird hunch. It has something to do with Namor meeting somebody or interacting with somebody and furthering a storyline that he might have later on to your point. I mean, in like secret wars, etc, etc. Like, I think he could definitely be a character that as of right now, he's not a guarantee. So I think that would be something that would guarantee us to see him again, if the movie doesn't expose that. So if the movie exposes that, then the question is, like, I don't really see enough, like, tied to the movie itself, I don't see another mid-credit scene. Like, I, I don't, my brain is not really seeing anything else. Because I don't think they'll set up anything like Black Panther 3. The way end credit scenes are going nowadays, they're not setting anything up that far in advance anymore. They're setting up stuff for, like, things coming next. So my other brainchild is something to do with Ant-Man and Quantumania, as that trailer just came out, like, last week. So that's kind of my other thought process. Yeah, I think I agree with you on Namor. And what I kind of alluded to earlier in the episode was I could actually see him interacting with, and this is, like, out of left field, so I'm just going to put this down, as I already recognize that it's kind of a crazy one. But knowing he's a mutant, and if they're going to play up that mutant aspect, what if we see our first X-Men... X-Man, X-Woman, X-Person on screen. Could he be Professor X's first recruit in the MCU? 
See, like, if you asked me this in phase three or, like, two, I'd be like, yeah. But my thing is, is what we've been seeing in phase four is that end credit scenes are just not what they used to be. I mean, for a lot of reasons that we've talked about that, but they're not playing out as far in advance as they used to. And I, from what I've been hearing and from my understanding, the X-Men and the mutants are still a ways off. Long enough off for us, at least, is what it's sounding like. Sounding like we're getting pebbles thrown at us, but, like, we don't have any rocks. Like, so I want to say yes, but I also am like, I don't know. I feel like that's setting something up that's too far in advance, which we're not doing anymore. That's fair. It would be a really, really big deal, though. It would, 100%. And, that, and like, if it was something like that, I'd be like totally fine if there wasn't a second one. Because I'd be like, okay, you totally satisfied. And I'd be, I, like, listen, I'm not degrading it if it happens. I'm all there for that prediction. I just, the end credit scenes of Phase 4 have been proving to me that we're really not getting end credit scenes the way we used to get end credit scenes. Yeah. And they're not predicting things the way that, I mean, I, I know we've talked about it before, but I mean, we, I think it's like the end credit scene of like Age of Ultron or something, one of the two, predicts a movie like three years later, and we didn't even like know about it. And so, and we didn't understand it, and then we finally understood it three years later. So, I don't know. I'm nervous to say that. I like it, but I'm nervous to say it. All right, well, here's my safer choice then. Whatever it is, is Riri Williams being set up for her show. So I think, you know, obviously we're going to get an introduction to her, but Somehow we have to bridge the gap between this appearance in Black Panther and what she's going to do in her own show, Fighting the Red Hood, and potentially Mephisto. So, which I think is an odd, I mean, just for like a, she's more going to be more like a ground level superhero. I think Mephisto is a bit mystical, but, you know, that's a rumor. It hasn't been confirmed. Anyway, I, I think we need to bridge that gap. I think an end credit scene could kind of get us in the ballpark there where we're seeing, all right, this is where her show is going to go and this is what that's going to look like. The other third option I'm going to throw out is because we know Secret Invasion is coming, somebody gets revealed to be a squirrel because that happened at the end of WandaVision and now we're that much closer to Secret Invasion. So, you know, that's also a possibility. I think we're going to start to see them popping up more and more as we get prepped for that show to make its full-on appearance next year. So I really like the second one, and I'll get to why I like that one in a second. The only thing I'm going to say about the third one is I understand your reasoning. I just feel like if you have that be Riri's, like, bridge, I feel like that's cheap to me because, like, we already know where she's going. We've known we're getting Ironheart. I just will – that's kind of like, okay, you proved nothing new to me, and that'll be kind of annoying. Going to be completely transparent about that one. That would just be kind of annoying. But the one about the scrolls, I love that for a lot of reasons. I mean, I think a lot of characters in Wakanda would be really interesting if they were being played by scrolls and they were not actively, like, there. Especially post the movie and being able to be like, holy crap, this makes a lot of sense as to why maybe you were doing this and not this and you were, like, all over the place. Exactly how we felt after Far From Home. Well, exactly. Exactly. And then my other thing is... There is a time, just for those of you who don't read the comics, T'Challa actually marries Storm from the X-Men, just to give some background on that. So another connection to mutants. But there is a time in which they go to war against the Skrulls in Wakanda Mm. and fight. Well, not each other, but there's a time they fight each other, too, because the Avengers and X-Men are fighting. And that's when they divorce. So rip. But also... (laughs) um, (laughs) 
they at one point go to war against the scrolls while in Wakanda. So I think that would also be like extremely interesting because that is a comic book line. Ooh, I did not realize that. So glad that my instincts were in the right place. Yeah, I mean, I would really like that. And like, to me, the scrolls are really like secret invasion is going to screw with us like no other. And I'm I've been like prepping for that. And I would love to see more of it popping up because I think, I mean, we're moving towards it very, like at lightning speed. So yeah. I would like to start seeing more and more of that. Because if you think about it, Far From Home was like 2019. Yeah, it was like three years ago. Yeah, it feels like forever ago. And that was the first time other than WandaVision that we had like a scroll moment. And even then the WandaVision one wasn't, I don't, that one was a little different in how it was done. The like one that genuinely shocked us was obviously Far From Home. So. It's been a little bit yeah. since we've gotten a little bit of scroll action, which, to be fair, we've gotten a lot of mystical elements and multiversal elements, but I would like to see more of the scrolls popping in. Totally. Well, that's it for me in terms of predictions for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Katie is giving me a nod of the head, telling me she feels the same. If you haven't gotten your tickets already, guys, please go get them because it is coming at us this week. So get ready, get excited. I know we're both super, super pumped to go see this. If you're really ready and looking forward to our reactions to the film, you can subscribe on your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already. You can also leave us a rating or a review. Those of you who have already, super grateful. If you'd like to, we would also be grateful if you do it now. So please consider that if you're a fan of the show. You can also check out both our blog and our merch store, which are linked in the show notes below, if you so choose. Make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT for our theories, thoughts, all new episodes, all new blog posts. Everything's up there, so make sure you guys are following us. Stay updated with us. Stay updated with, obviously, all the Marvel content. There's been some pretty awesome and big announcements within the past, like, week, week and a half, so... We're obviously on top of those as much as we can be, so make sure you guys are hitting the follow button there. Also, our November newsletter just came out, well, when we're recording this today, because we're recording this on November 1st. (laughs) So if you guys obviously didn't sign up for that yet, uh, that will eventually be on the blog, but you are going to have to wait because, you know, you're not cool enough because you didn't join the club yet. So make sure you guys are joining the newsletter club by signing up. You can sign up either on Twitter or also on the blog. Just put in your email and you will get all our newsletters in your inbox on the first. But in the meantime, Black Panther coming to us very, very fast. It will be other than the Guardian special, as Taylor was saying earlier in the episode, the final big thing of 2022, almost said 2023. We're not there yet. (laughs) But it is confirmed to be the final thing of phase four. So that's a that's a big thing to kind of swallow. So make sure you guys are keeping up with it. We'll be talking about our reaction to it, obviously, right after the film, and also our reactions to Phase 4 a little bit after that. So keep an eye out for both those episodes as they come out throughout the month of November. And in the meantime, keep up with all of Marvel's content and our content, as Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. 